What's up, shitheads? On the last situation episode, I read for you all the probable cause affidavit for the arrest of Brian Koberger, who is the suspect that is alleged to have committed the quadruple homicide of four University of Idaho students. On the last episode of the situation, I read the probable cause affidavit without any commentary, but on this episode, we are going to start breaking down this probable cause affidavit page by page, paragraph by paragraph, and we are going to have all the commentary, thoughts, concerns, stuff that stood out to me, stuff I was expecting, and everything in between, so let's begin. First things first, before I ever even read the document, the page count alone stood out to me because typically in states' cases, I see probable cause affidavits that are two to six pages. A 19-page probable cause affidavit is something that I would typically see and expect in a federal case, not a state's case. So just the page count alone, before I ever read a single word of it, stood out to me. Page one, paragraph three, it states, as I approached the room, I could see a body later identified as Kernodal's lying on the floor. This stood out to me because the public had been led to believe, based on statements made by Coroner Kathy, that all of the victims had been found in their prospective beds. And so obviously... Clear as day, Kernodal was not found in a bed. She was found on the floor, which contradicts statements that the public had previously heard and been led to believe were the circumstances of how the victims were found. At the bottom of page one is the start of paragraph four, and it talks about how Ethan Chapin was found in the same room as Zana Kernodal, and it references a section of his autopsy report, and then we get into the whole redacted fiasco. Everybody on social media has been freaking the fuck out, thinking that something was redacted from this probable cause affidavit. Nothing, nothing was redacted from this probable cause affidavit as it applies to page one and this blank page and then page two. If you are looking at a copy of the probable cause affidavit, the first page clearly at the bottom says page one. And then you get to this next page that does not have a number on it and it appears blank. But if you're paying attention and you look at the bottom right, you will see the blue redacted stamp is mirrored on the bottom part of that page. And then the next page picks up exactly where page one left off and is labeled page two. So here's what happened. Here is the boring, non-exciting truth about this redacted gate that people have wasted time with on social media. There's a setting on scanners, and they will pick up on color on pages. So here's what happened. They took this probable cause affidavit, and they put it in the scanner. It scanned page one. The scanner picked up on the redacted stamp, which caused it to then scan the backside of page one. That is evident and proved by the fact that on the blank page after page one, at the bottom right, you can see the redacted stamp mirrored, aka backwards, in the exact same spot. And then the sentence that was halfway through on page one 
picks up exactly where it left off on the page numbered page two. So, hate to be the bearer of boring news, but the boring, honest-to-God truth is, nothing was redacted. It's just the way the document scanned. So, moving on to page two, it picks up exactly where it left off on page one, discussing Ethan Chapin's injuries, and it references them as caused by sharp force injuries. Page two then also describes Madison Mogan and Kaylee Gonzalez's injuries as visible stab wounds. Something that stood out to me that could be absolutely nothing, but I do think it is absolutely worth mentioning, is that the probable cause affidavit is not consistent in the way that it describes the mechanism of injury between the four victims. On page one, the probable cause affidavit describes Zaina Kernodal's injuries as having appeared to have been caused by an edged weapon. On page two, they describe Ethan Chapin's injuries as having been caused by sharp force injuries. And then for Madison Mogan and Kaylee Gonzalez, they describe their injuries as visible stab wounds. So we have edged weapon, sharp force injury, and obvious stab wounds. Now, I think it's clear that all four victims were stabbed to death, but why is there an inconsistency in describing the mechanism of injury in this probable cause affidavit? They obviously felt the need to distinguish edged weapon, sharp force injuries, and obvious stab wounds instead of having a consistent description throughout the probable cause affidavit, of their injuries. It also cannot go unnoticed that they only deemed it necessary to reference the autopsy report of one victim, and that's Ethan Chapin. They obviously felt that there was a necessity, a reason, to reference his autopsy report and no one else's, and I think that's also evident by the fact that his injuries are described the most different in comparison to how Zaina, Madison, and Kaylee's injuries were described in this probable cause affidavit. And there could be a very simple explanation for that. It could be as simple as he was the only male victim. He was obviously the biggest threat against the perpetrator, being that he was the only man in the home. It could be that the perpetrator had a complex about there being a man in the home. And those could be simple explanations for the discrepancy or what appears to be the discrepancy in the level of injuries sustained by the victims. But I don't think that it can go unnoticed that clearly there is a discrepancy in the way that the injuries are described between the four victims. And obviously, his injuries were the only ones that they deemed it necessary to reference an autopsy for. Page two of the probable cause affidavit also reveals what I consider to be the most substantial piece of evidence that they have so far in this case, at least that the public is made aware of, against Brian Koberger, and that is the discovery of the tan leather knife sheath that was discovered lying next to Madison Mogan in the third floor bedroom. In that same paragraph, they go on to state that the knife sheath was processed by the Idaho State Crime Lab, and the crime lab was able to locate a single source of male DNA, which is obviously going to be the suspect's DNA profile, and they located that on the snap of the knife sheath. 
This is significant, one, because everyone who thinks he's a criminal mastermind, he's clearly a fucking moronic idiot because he left part of the murder weapon at the crime scene. And thank God that he did because it's the reason he was caught. But it's... (laughs) It is... The dumbest thing he could have done, he might as well have left his fucking driver's license with a sticky note on it that says, call me when you discover this. That's how stupid that was. So for anyone that thinks he's some criminal mastermind or that, you know, he is working criminal magic, the guy's a fucking idiot. He left part of the murder weapon behind at the crime scene. Secondly, they were able to get his DNA profile off of the button snap on the knife sheath. And so that is, oh my God, that is so substantial. That is so significant. That is direct evidence because it's not like they got this off of a cup in the house or a door handle. They got it off of a piece of the fucking murder weapon. If this would have been found on another item in the house, there could have been ways to argue that it was non-nefarious. But the fact that it was found on a piece of the murder weapon lying next to one of the victims, it becomes really hard to make that sound non-nefarious. I mean, it is on a literal piece of the murder weapon. I also made a note on my copy of the probable cause affidavit that the location and the way in which the knife sheath was found could be suggestive of the order in which these homicides occurred. Now, this is entirely me speculating, but me thinking out loud, just thinking about possibility versus probability and just common sense, because the knife sheath was found upstairs and because it was found lying next to one of the victims, it just makes more sense or seems to be suggestive, at least to me, that the homicides started upstairs. For me, again, I'm just thinking out loud, based on the location and the way the knife sheath was found just lying next to Madison Mogan, it seems less probable that the knife sheath was lost in some type of struggle. It seems highly unlikely that it was around his belt loop and got pulled off, and it seems more probable that it was just dropped in the heat of the moment, so to speak. And it seems also more probable that you would not initiate such a violent attack than put the knife back into the sheath and then lose the sheath when you initiated the second round of attacks. It just seems more likely, more probable that he lost it during the initial attacks. And I think that that, to me personally, seems suggestive that the homicides started upstairs. It's unclear to me why he even brought the knife sheath inside of the home. I mean, I know that the knife is very sharp. It's not like you can just carry it in your pocket because that would more likely than not lead to an accidental injury. But I just can't believe that he brought it into the home and much less that he left it He had to have noticed that it was missing, and regardless, thank God that he brought it in, and thank God that he accidentally left it, because I think that that is what was his undoing, and I think that that is what got him caught, and I am so thankful for that, but I just got to point it out, because there are people that are giving him credit for being some type of criminal mastermind, and he's clearly a fucking moronic idiot, and thank God. 
On that note, that concludes this episode of The Situation, but don't worry, there is more where this came from. We will continue to dissect and critically think through this probable cause affidavit together, so hang tight. And if you're enjoying this podcast, make sure to check out the sister station, The Sojo Files, and I will see you guys on the next episode.